Well, Daniel, do you have a do you have an interesting intro to this? Hello horses, hello horses. Hello. Hello. Horse. Okay. Hello. Hey. Um, there's a party happening outside, and I think, you know, you're just going to have to hear that the whole time. You're going to have to deal with it. You, were, you weren't invited to the party, but... We also were not. But you're here now. This, yeah, so still not invited to the party. What song is this? I have no idea. So, you'll, yeah, you, you will hear such songs as the... Teeny weenie. The teeny weenie song. Teeny weenie bikini. Meanie. Oh my gosh, should I tell them there's a sick child in here? <laughs> yeah, we should start over. Completely over? Yeah, we didn't do anything. Okay, fine, fine. We just talked about teeny weenies. Okay, I want to do the thing again though that's like... Hello, I'm a horse, hello. Oh, I mean, we didn't do that. <laughs> okay. That, that was clear. We uh, got that. I thought you were going to just delete everything before. No, that was a good take. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Sandra O. Oh. <laughs> and this is... Sideways. <laughs> this is our... Well, welcome to Sideways, the podcast about the movie Sideways. Thomas hated... Where Paul Giamatti is kind of a dick. Welcome to be and Paul he, Giamatti. And his friend, whom I forget... Thomas but, Hayden Church. Oh, is... Also in... George of the Jungle. He's even more of a dick. And we see his penis? Probably. No, I'm asking if that's what it's called. Wait. No, it's called sideways. <laughs> and it doesn't refer to the direction of his penis. Uh, it refers to how, you know, wild their life is going. It's like, by the wayside? Exactly. Someone called that sideways. You know, uh, what were those... Um, those children's books with the school. The, Wayside School. Yeah, exactly. Wayside School. That's what that movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> what a wild casting choice anyway. to have Sandra Oh and Paul Giamatti and then <laughs> naked Thomas Hayden. I don't know. He has three names and they're jumbled in. It's Christian Thomas Hayden. Okay. You know, the that's, Sandman that's from the Spider Man. Christian Haydenson is like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's his name? Haydenson is Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. <laughs> anyway, this isn't Sideways the podcast. This is Hello Horses the podcast, wherein we talk about movies that feature horses but are not, you know, uh, horse centric. You get a horse based plot. I'm gonna show you the damn door. Yeah, get out of here with that horse shit. We want peripheral horses only. Yeah. And today we are doing... We want to be like, whoa, was that a horse? <laughs> we want to make it real hard for ourselves. We are straining our eyeballs <laughs> trying to find a horse in you the You want to be like, is there a horse in... Sideways? Sideways? Wait, could there be? I mean, it does take place in the California Central Coast. I bet there's probably a horse. And you watch it and you're like, hey, mate, we're not going to spoil it, but... Mm. Just think about it. Let us know. 
And we also, because we're Paul Giamatti and Sandra Oh, only do movies in which both Paul Giamatti <laughs> and Sandra Oh are in. That's part of the podcast. There's the two movies. There's Sideways, sideways. and then, spoiler, there's Big Fat Liar. Which is the, the movie, movie we are talking about that's not Sideways. So catch us next week when we do Sideways and then we're out of content. <laughs> yep. Maybe they're always in the same movie. No, because he's not in Princess Diaries <laughs> that I know of. Hmm. So yeah, we're doing we're doing Big Fat Liar. Dana, what's Big Fat Liar about? So Big Fat Liar is a 2002 Universal Studios slash I assume Nickelodeon collab. Yeah. Um, about Frankie Muniz, who is a small fat liar, a 14 year old child who lies constantly, uh, and has to write a paper for school but Paul Giamatti is a big Hollywood producer who steals the paper that he writes to make a movie called Big Fat Liar but Paul Giamatti was the biggest fattest liar all along (laughs) Uh, and Frankie Muniz uh, goes to Los Angeles to get Paul Giamatti to admit to his father that he stole the movie for Frankie Muniz and that's the movie. Okay. I feel like you ended it really well, but then you just kept going. Oh, uh, where I said Paul Giamatti is the biggest, fattest liar. Yeah, it's almost like in the end. And the blues. The friends we made along the way were the biggest, fattest liars mm-hmm. of them all. Yes. Uh, what is your relationship with this movie? So I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. But you did. There's, there's no chance, I will say, there's no chance... Whether I remember it or not, that I didn't see this in theaters. Yeah. I certainly saw it in theaters. I would have been eight or nine years old. Sorry, seven or eight years old. Which is it? You're a big fat liar? Seven or eight years old. Okay. Um, God, Frankie Muniz was like... 14. Top of the list as far as the cool goes. Uh, Amanda Bynes was up there too. Yeah. I had to see this. And I didn't have a choice. My parents were going to take me to see it. They were like... Paul Giamatti? This guy was in Sideways. I love him. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, so I would have seen it in theaters, and I guess I would have thought it was, I mean, I just, I remember whenever I went to see a movie in theaters afterwards, parents would be like, so did you like it? And 100% of the time I said, Yeah. Because I liked every movie because it entertained me for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I didn't dis- distinguish between good movies and bad movies. So I would have liked this movie. And then I don't think I saw it again, except maybe snippets here and there, um, until maybe last year. I think we we watched it um, just to kind of see, you know, what's Big Fat Liar? How's that hold up? And it, um, I don't know if it does... But it's you know I so that's my relationship with the movie. Wow. It's Paul Giamatti. I like Paul Giamatti. I like Frankie Muniz. Amanda Bynes has had a rough time recently, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk more about Amanda Bynes later. I think there's some stuff to say. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Me? What's your relationship with this movie? Well, listen, I also saw this movie in theaters. I want what what day? Ugh, you know, it had to be a Saturday or a Sunday. Probably, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, I had school. Me too. Uh, oh, classic. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because I had school Monday through Friday, so pretty booked up. Wow. Yeah. You busy kid. Busy, busy kid. <laughs> Uh, I was definitely a child when I saw it because it was 2002, so I'm, t- <laughs> how old were you? You said seven or eight? Seven or eight, yeah. So it was nine or ten? No, you were eight or nine. Okay. Well, it depends on what month it came out, if we're being real. That's why you're eight or nine. Okay. Um, uh, okay. I feel like I was older, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I fucking loved the Amanda Bynes show. Mm-hmm. Also, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. I cannot say the name Malcolm. Malcolm. Um, God, have you rewatched Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Um, so this movie was like everything to me. And watched it in theaters fucking loved it it was one of those movies where you watch as i have a i have very few movies that this happened where i was a kid you can be passively entertained by something and then sometimes you're just consuming media and you're like this is for me and this gets me you know and this was that case yeah it was for you and it got you yeah like every moment about it I, I I was such a fucking huge Amanda Bynes fan at this point in my life, and I thought that like she got to be so funny in this movie, but she also got to be so cool, mm-hmm. and I was just like so excited to be that age where she was at. They're both like perfectly straddling like being children and getting to st- you get like the fun of like them sticking it to the authoritarian parents, but they're also like older than you, and you like can't wait to be older. And yeah, cool. it's funny because they're not like cool teens in like a bad way yet they're mm-hmm. they're in like 14 years old is like you know they're in eighth grade they're, yeah they're not high school students that so they're not doing like clueless or mm-hmm. you know like that kind of it's not a high school movie mm-hmm. it's um yeah it's for a very sort of specific age group where you watch this when you're you know between the ages of eight and 12 and mm-hmm. you're like that's those are cool kids yeah i was like they're so fucking cool and this was, I feel like I frequently revisited this as a child. Mm-hmm. I get it mixed up with Agent Cody Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and fair. Because I, it's kind of a similar vibe for Frankie Muniz. I don't remember if... I see, I think Amanda Bynes is in Agent yes, Cody Banks. Yes, she is. Okay, so yeah, that's why I get it mixed up. I mean, up. and you get it. The chemistry between... These two can... These are two comedic geniuses that are just fucking firing off of each other. And this is like such a... There was just a vibe of movies for children in the early 2000s where it was like cool kid, cool Frankie Muniz type on a skateboard. Mm-hmm. Pop punk music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And just, like, kids getting into, like, really wild situations unbeknownst to the parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like Frankie Muniz was in another movie, but I don't think it was Frankie Muniz, where, like, there's a lot of pop punk playing, and this dude has a watch that stops time. <gasps> it's like Click. It's Click. Clarksoppers! Is that what that's called? Yeah, they is, that's Clarksoppers! Is it Frankie <laughs> Muniz? <laughs> But it's turning into a jetpack. I'm gonna shoot through the roof. I think yeah. I I have 
I remember also seeing we that movie that in the theaters. theaters. And Burger but, King, Burger King sold the clubs. But I, I never knew what it was. But is it's not Frankie Muniz. No, 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 no. They're older. They're in high school. But it's a Frankie Muniz type, and it's a lot of like I'm pretty sure like First Date by Blink One Eighty Two plays in that movie. Oh, absolutely. And then they can control time. Well, they technically don't control time. They can just speed up what they're doing. It's click. Yeah, but but they they're speeding up what they're doing, so time around them seems slower. Yes. Um, you know the tide. The title is. It leads you to assume it's about them truly stopping time. But it's they not. just like it's they. What they mean is it's clock slower downers. It's called. It's not as catchy. So I guess that, and then um, like beginning of quarantine, I revisited this movie because I was like oh, fucking childhood classic, dude. And I, even though I hadn't, yeah, I guess it would probably would have been the same time when I revisited it. Um, even though I hadn't seen it in such a long time, I knew it was Paul Giamatti in this movie. Yeah, because because you're like, Paul, Paul Giamatti. It's like Dick I, Fat I see Paul Giamatti in things now, and I'm like, the guy from Big Fat Liar. That's what I know him yeah. from. This is his goddamn magnum opus. It's it's strange. I want to know what adults know him for. Big besides Fat Liar. Sideways. Taking their kid in to see Big Fat Liar. Well, he's in. Have you ever seen Win Win? No really fucking good highly recommend another Paul Giamatti banger he is Paul Giamatti also in 12 Years a Slave oh my god so you you got you got two people from 12 Years a Slave in this movie (laughs) (laughs) I I need to look up Paul Giamatti's filmography because I feel like we're not doing him justice because I love him but I can't I don't even know what he's in um What if we pulled, like, a Griffin Dean situation and I was calling him, like, Paul Paul, Giamatti? Paul Giamatti. So, he's in a lot of stuff. Uh, Things that I've, like, never seen, like Donnie Brasco. Yeah, I've Uh, never seen Donnie Brasco. Singles. Uh, He's in um, The Truman Show as a control room director. Oh. Wait, no. He's in Fred Claus. That's important. He plays Santa Claus. He's in Dr. Doolittle. He's in Saving Mm -hmm. Private Ryan. Whoa, he mentions that movie. Which has a call out in this movie. Let's see. He's uncredited in Dr. Doolittle. Wow. He's in Planet of the Apes. My Best Friend's Wedding. 2001 Planet of the Apes. Okay, so Sideways was two years after this. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, like, he's a character actor, and I think that this was just a really, it, it's, hey, do you want to be a fucking character actor, character acting the shit out of this part, but it's technically the titular, well, you know, up for argument, who truly is the biggest, fattest liar of them all. I think I spoiled that. Um... <laughs> uh, but wait, what is this 2001 Planet of the Apes? Is yeah, that's, what I'm, sa- that's what I'm saying. Also, he's in a 2021 movie called Jungle Cruise. Do you think that's an adaptation? It is. Of the yes, <laughs> and The Rock is in it. Whoa. Do you, on a scale of one to super racist? It's going to be racist. super racist. The ride is really racist, really racist. So. You know, they did it. They made imperialism fun. <laughs> Yeah, you get to take a big old tour of imperialism. <laughs> Gotta love it. So, yeah, that's, you know, 
that's my relationship and your relationship, I suppose. Uh, Sandra, were you (laughs) expecting horses in this movie? Mm, No, actually. I think a while ago, probably after I watched it a year ago or after you watched it, we Mm -hmm. discussed how there were horses, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. So when you texted me last week and said we should do Big Fat Liar, Mm -hmm. I was like trusting you (laughs) (laughs) i remember it i like froze that scene in my mind because i i have gone back to big fat liar a lot and i remember when we were like okay let's do this this pod what are off the top of our head what are some movies and you're like it's like big fat liar is one of those ones it feels like there's going to be horses in it they throw every other damn animal of the animal kingdom at you (laughs) and there's no horses and then beginning of quarantine, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, all of our dreams have come true. Yeah. I, when you suggested we do it, I knew where there would be the horses, but I, I didn't have like a visceral memory of it. Mm-hmm. So no, I wasn't really expecting it. It was a surprise to me. Good. Yeah. That's always nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, surprise to me, but then I knew it. Yeah. And that's how it works. So, um, here the, here the fuck we go. Here we go. Let's get in. So, Big Fat Liar, as uh, my good friend Sandra O oh said earlier, came out in 2002. You don't, you don't, we don't even need to say that. You could simply watch three seconds of this movie and you I would feel, be like, this feels like 2002. This is 2002. This is the post 9-11 world we're operating in. <laughs> Shrek has come out. <laughs> Master of Disguise has come out. It's 2002. Is that the one with Chris Kattan? <laughs> no. That's the one with Dana Carvey. <laughs> oh, right. It's not Chris Kattan and David. They're the same. They're the same, but Chris Kattan is hotter. <laughs> not that they're hot, just... <laughs> <laughs> He's hotter. Master of Disguise is the one where with the turtle club scene... And right before they shot that scene, um, 9-11 had happened, and so the crew had a moment of silence, and Dana Carvey was like, now let's go out there and give America what, what she needs. And then they made the turtle club scene. So this movie is directed by Sean Levy. <laughs> um, and then these are the only three actors I am going to talk about. That is Frankie Muniz playing Jason Shepard. Paul Giamatti, playing Marty Wolf. Kaylee, no last name, played by Amanda Bynes. Yep. This movie was like, (laughs) She doesn't need to be a full person. It's fair, because, like, I never write down the characters' names in my notes. I only... (laughs) They were like, we don't want to make this any harder for Daniel. (laughs) We know who Amanda Bynes is. It's her. But everyone gets a last name, and they're just like... (laughs) Kaylee. Her name's fucking Kaylee. So the the movie opens with Smash Mouth? Was that Smash Mouth I heard? I don't think so. Whoa. Do you want to rewind? Yeah. I'll just look at the Big Fat Liars after. It is Smash Mouth. What song is it? Come on, come on. Okay. I just didn't notice. I don't think I was ready to start the movie yet, you know? Well, Smash Mouth made you ready. Um, so... It starts with Frankie Muniz waking up in the morning to Smash Mouth. 
as every 14 year old boy did in 2002. And we kind of go through the, his morning and he tells a series of lies. You know, his mom asks, did you eat your oatmeal? And he says, yeah, it was really delicious. And then we see him feeding the oatmeal to the dog. He rushes off to school on his skateboard. And before he gets to school, he gets bullied by... Ter Taryn Killiam? Yeah, Taryn Killiam. Of SNL. Of and SNL fame. And he looks the same. <laughs> he does look the same. It's amazing how in 2002, you could throw some highlights on him and you would be like, oh yeah, that's a bully. And then you just strip those highlights off and throw mm. them in 2008 SNL and you're like, that's an SNL person. So I do need to know, how is Taryn Killiam different than Colin Jost? Um, I guess, well, it's amazing because, like, Colin who, Jost... Who, who does the Weekend Update? Colin Jost. Taryn Killiam's no longer on SNL. Okay, but did he used to do Weekend Update? I don't think so. And it's like, I think the main difference would be that Colin... Jost is in an interracial relationship because he's married to Scarlett Johansson. So, <laughs> Damn. a white man and a Japanese woman together. <laughs> and that's really beautiful of Colin Jost. Damn. Remember how she did that? Yeah. And then she was in Marriage Story and people just forgot. <laughs> so, so, Frankie Venus doesn't have a skateboard anymore. Yeah. Um, and we see him in class. Well, he's running late now. He's running late. He jumps in through the window. Very cool. correct. Um, and he failed to write his paper for his English class, uh, probably because he just didn't feel like doing it. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, tells a little bit of a lie. He says that he couldn't do it because... His dad was choking on a meatball and he had to save his life? Yeah, take it. and then they had to go to the hospital. They had to go to the hospital. So then his teacher's like, oh, Played who's Sandra O? Oh. He's like, okay, well, let me call your dad. So she takes the phone number from Frankie Muniz. I bet the office has the phone number the phone on number. file. She didn't. So he gives her phone number and it's his cell phone Hold on, quick aside. Yeah. And on his way, he's like running late. They're just texting. Like they don't have like, like a hundred text messages per month. Do you remember when text messages were like additional? Yeah. Like when I first got a cell phone, I mean, I would have been pretty young. It would have been 2005, probably mm -hmm. 2006, maybe. Mm -hmm. I didn't have texting. Like I got, and then when I, when we did get texting added onto our plan, None of my friends had texting, oh, so true. it's like it's it's a useless feature. But yeah, so yeah, you used to have to pay like for a certain allotted amount of text, and I remember like you'd be like texting your crush, and then they'd be like, "Haha, anyway, I only have 54 messages for the month, so uh, G2G, winky <laughs> face," and you'd be mm -hmm. like, <laughs> "I'll catch you in class, I guess." My first love. I was in seventh grade. Your first love. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I can't text you anymore because I'm over my limit. Oh my god. I'm over my texting limit. She I'm meant like, I'm over my limit both texting and emotionally. She's like, she's like, I can't text you anymore. I'm over my limit. My dad's pissed. And I'm like, dang, that sucks. And then I think she was just lying to me. Well, I wish you could make up lies like that still. I know. Anyway, I still think about it. Broke my heart. <laughs> so sorry. Um, so yeah, these kids are really rich. 
where were you? <laughs> so wait, what? <laughs> where was I when I saw this? We already whatever I saw it in the theaters. Emily. I mean, in the storytelling. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, he uh, then impersonates his dad on the phone to Sandra O. Sandra O. Totally falls for it. But then, which is wild, because he sounds like a fourteen-year-old boy pretending to be an adult. But then she doesn't fall for it, because then his parents are at the school. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a little in the movie biz we call that a coinky dink. Uh, I don't know if it was a coinky dink or if I she, think she was pretending to fall for it. She was just saving face. She had and a then, class to teach. Exactly. And then she went to the office and she she called the parents for right. real. Yeah. Sandra, oh, she. I mean, she's not dumb. Listen, and Grace fucking anatomy. She, she's, she's a doctor. Yeah. She is as smart as she is hot, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I saw sideways, Emily. I know. Dude, literally, the top, crop top and the low pants she wears to a dinner date? You're like, the confidence you have in your abs. Like, you're like, I'm not going to bloat on this date. Mm. Yeah. The life they live in sideways. It's just all drinking wine, having sex with strange men who were just there for the weekend. Love it. Who are engaged to other women. Okay, so here's where... Stealing money from your grandmother. I've never finished that movie. I did. You'd be surprised because I had Paul Giamatti in the film. Fell asleep when him and Sandra were having wine on the patio. I was like... That's like the beginning. I know. I was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And I hope he dies because he stole money from his mom. Yeah, I don't really like Sideways. (laughs) (laughs) So Jason gets caught. And they're like, well, now you have to write your paper and you have to finish it by 6 p.m. Which is in three hours. And it's worth one third of his grade. He's like, a 1,000. What is this, college? Nothing is worth a third of your grade. I was like. In eighth grade. I know. I was like, dude, you're kind of, might be a bad teacher. That's just like you didn't assign enough curriculum. Yeah. And he's like, a 1,000 page essay in three hours. I don't know. like also in eighth grade you don't have to write anything that's a thousand words thousand words isn't even that much but it's not like five pages but when i took ap comp in high school most of our papers were 500 words minimum which is like two pages yeah it's it's like a quick thing but the the thing is it's supposed to be good like, no teacher wants to read a thousand words from any eighth grade. See, Sandra O oh just does not value her own time. Yeah. It's, She's like, my partner just broke up with me. I got all the goddamn time think about in the this. world, baby. Like, the sun also rises is like 22,000 words. So you're trying to read one twenty-second. And I the think sun this also is, rises. This is what's... Well, she had... Uh, probably at least 22 students, so she was saying, I'm trying to sit the fuck down and, and read, read The Sun Also Rises. And read the sun also uh, rises, but shitty. <laughs> but a shitty version of The Sun Also Rises. And nobody is impotent. <laughs> she read The Sun Also Rises and was like, I'm sorry, is this man impotent? Get this out of my sight, students! No ball fights in any of these papers. Um, I guess, though, if it's, it was specifically for creative writing. Yeah. So it's like, Five pages is enough to build. If you're gonna if you're gonna write a story, it's gotta be a thousand words. Probably good. Yeah. And you know we're a little worried for Jason here because it's like he he titles it the page or the paper untitled. You're like this guy's got no ideas. (laughs) No ideas at all. And then he fucking does it. Big time, yeah. Big 
<laughs> Big fat liar time. <laughs> That's what they call it, baby. <laughs> and he has to rush it on his sister's old bike. He gets hit by his fucking car. <laughs> yep. And it's Paul Giamatti's car. It's Paul Giamatti's limo. I might. I would probably call this a town car. Okay, it, it's... I would call it a stretch town car. It's categorically a limo. <laughs> I think it's technically a stretch town car. Okay, whatever. Which one would call a limo? Yeah. So, <laughs> Frankie Muniz is pissed. And he's like, Paul's you, Monty. you got to drive me to the community college. He's not even pissed. That I almost spit out my beer. He springs right up. Like he's made out of flubber. And he's like, he's like, oh, Paul Giamatti just hit me with a car. Great opportunity to get a ride. It takes him a second to be like, oh, insu- this boy does not know how to exploit people. It takes him a second to be like, oh, my neck's a little stiff. <laughs> the body's like, I guess I don't want to get sued by this child. Gives him a lift to the community college. Best decision Paul Giamatti ever made. Or worst. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep listening to So Frankie out. Muniz did never learn how to zip a backpack. Or, or the zipper binder. Or the zipper broke when he got hit by that fucking limo. <laughs> He went under the car. Also, like, Paul Giamatti is sitting on the passenger side, and Frankie Muniz decides to crawl over him to get in the limo. (laughs) There's another door, Frankie Muniz, which he should have gone through, because on his way into the limo, he spills his backpack. Idiot. And then he just shovels random papers back into his backpack. Um, So, but surely he brought his very important paper. Right, exactly. So... Paul Giamatti, this driver, drives Frankie Muniz to the community college and also gives him a little lesson in lying. Yeah, what I love about this scene is, Paul, you're like, there's so many times the movie's like, and they're the same. And mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti's like, let me go. She made up this whole lot about how your dad choked on me, and then you had to save his life. And when he was in a hospital, you couldn't turn in the paper. Frankie Muniz is like, that's exactly what I did. And he's like, here's where you went wrong, kid. It's got to be a chicken bone. It's got to be your sister. And Frankie Muniz is like, wow, you're really good at this. We don't know if that makes... Why is he just believe... Like, mm-hmm. we don't know if that's the better lie because there's never an opportunity for Frankie Muniz to try that out. And they see. didn't test it. <laughs> so why is Frankie Muniz being like, you're right. He's like, that's, check, it's checks not out. Like, it's not like Sandra O later was like, Meatball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't believe someone choked on food and then when Frankie Muniz, a 14-year-old boy, was on the phone clearly sounding like a 14-year-old boy, she was thinking, this sounds like a 14-year-old boy pretending to be a dad. But did you consider that the target audience for this movie is seven and eight-year-olds? <laughs> They're like, chicken... Chicken bone and sister. That's so much scarier to choke on a chicken bone. Yeah. That shit will splinter in your throat. Mm, big time. <laughs> big time. Big time liar. Big time liar. So anyway, <laughs> Paul Giamatti steals. Wait, wait. Okay. So. <laughs> so, Frankie Muniz gets out of the limo, and Paul Giamatti's like, almost like. Wait, kid, you forgot your story. But then he starts to read the story, and he goes, Interesting. <laughs> like, he reads three lines. He's like, big fat liar, huh? <laughs> what I love about it is he, like, 
picks it up, is holding it perfectly, like, away from his face and just, like, straight so you could he could read it. And he's like, window is up, and he just goes like, hey, kid, you forgot your... Big fat liar, huh? <laughs> and he's like, well, when I softly spoke, I didn't get his attention, and I don't really care that much. And you're like, that's fair. And he's like, so I guess I better just start reading <laughs> ah, like how captivating it's really <laughs> good it's really... The, that first sentence for Paul Giamatti a man who's like I don't have time to drive this kid I just hit with my car to be like hmm. what's interesting about it's it's like um the movie wants you to think that the movie or the story that Frankie Muniz wrote is really good but it's kind of the whole uh, Aaron Sorkin paradox. Where, Uh-oh. like, if. <laughs> I <laughs> well, love calling it the Aaron Sorkin paradox. It's it, like. I think. <laughs> it's like. If you can't write a movie about writing a movie that's really good, because then you have to write that movie that's really good. Uh, in, in defense of this movie. <laughs> And saying that it is out, no, saying it is outside of the Aaron Sorkin paradox is it's not like this is an Oscar winner. It's like this is a blockbuster film, summer film for families. I don't know because at the end his dad is like, congratulations, son. Would you not be impressed if you're a 14 year old child? It was really good. But no, because his child didn't, someone else, a, a, a Hollywood production studio made the movie. His kid just wrote some words down on a fucking paper. <laughs> but as a parent, you wouldn't be like, I don't know, my 14-year-old kid only wrote some words down on no. a fucking piece of paper. The dad was moved by this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, in a sense, it, it's Jason Shepard making himself, he's laying his barest self on those pages. That's true. As a father who looked his son in the eyes Art and said, come- I can't believe one fucking word that comes out of that little mouth of yours. You've destroyed any trust we have. If he just laid himself out like that on the big screen, you'd be like, hey, you're making some pretty intense moves here for self-growth. Yeah, and we do, like, the best art comes from times of desperation, and he was desperate to write this story in three hours. (laughs) He would have had to go to summer school. (laughs) Exactly. So... (laughs) So he shows up and he realizes he has nothing to turn in because mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti stole the story. Um, so now he has to go to summer school. Boy, does he. Big time, as my friend Sandra O would say. Mm, exactly. Um, next scene, we see that Paul Giamatti is working with Jaleel White, who is uh, yeah, well, purple. Yeah. We get like I didn't a little, write that in, so little yeah. back and forth here. Also... And that was really funny. That's a fun scene. Exactly. Uh, Jaleel White is like, I'm not Urkel. Uh, you gotta treat me like a professional. And Paul Giamatti's like, you're lucky I don't make you wear those glasses and suspenders like a fucking fool. And Jaleel White's like, don't be such a dick. Yeah, that's pretty much what he says. And he's that's like, I have to work across the chicken. What we're learning is just another scene of Paul Giamatti being a dick. Mm -hmm. We're going to get a lot of Paul Giamatti being a dick in this movie. Also, I don't know if we mentioned Amanda Bynes is a friend. Oh, we did mention Amanda Bynes earlier. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, we talked about This is the first time in my notes I mentioned her. Um, so, Jason is in summer school. It sucks. He meets up with Amanda Bynes, mm -hmm. and they go see a movie together. And she conveniently, passively mentions that her parents have just abandoned her all summer. Exactly. They're gone, uh, which is great. Because now her grandmother, who is suffering from, like... Being really, really small. And old, and maybe has <laughs> dementia. Yeah. Um, importantly, when they go see this movie, they see a preview for a movie called Big Fat Liar. Wait a second, but isn't that the paper? Exactly. Frankie Muniz is like, I wrote that movie. And I'm like, how fucking quick did they put together this preview? It's pretty wild. Paul Giamatti works quickly. He yeah. wasn't like, this is a good story. I'll, you know, I'm working on a lot of stuff right I now. But this I'm, is a really good Paul Giamatti impression you're doing. I'm going to put this on the back burner. How did you make your voice only like Paul Giamatti like that? It's just natural. Because um, you're also a big fat liar? Because I'm a big fat liar. Oh, my God. Um, oh, Marcy's pissed. Oh, my God. It's amazing to me that he's like, he saw this story and he's like, this is my priority oh well because what we do learn is that he's made a couple of stinkers yes but he was in michigan or wherever frankie Muniz lives mm -hmm. working on a movie yeah so what was that movie that's the one the whitaker and fowl mm, right that he goes to the premiere for later mm -hmm. so it's kind of okay uh, i don't want to say that there are plot holes in Big Fat Liar. Wow. Big accusation. Yeah. But it's kind of wild that they have the trailer for Big Fat Liar with footage playing before day one of shooting has even happened. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, this doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Because to me it makes sense that um, they, and I don't really remember how like movie marketing worked in the early 2000s. To me now it makes sense that you would be in a movie theater and you would see a trailer for a movie that's not even scheduled to come out until a full year later. Sure, sure, but that movie would at least be filming. Yes, yes. It would be in production. Which was my... Which was, this was, is was, movies in... Like, they have the seed for it. They don't even know what the ending for the movie. They haven't even written it. Yeah, and that, this, this time I was, like, so confused because I thought that they were in filming of it because they have John Cho playing the director and he's describing these scenes and they're saying, we're already over budget on this movie. And it's like, wait, but if you haven't spent any of the money yet, how are you- They spent it all on this fucking preview. Yeah, cause it's like, how are you- They had to shoot scenes for the preview. Oh, but then how is it day one of shooting? Anyway, whatever. Frankie, Jason is like, that's that's my fucking movie. And Amanda Vaughn is like, you're literally high. <laughs> I don't know what Terry and Killiam taught you in summer school. I think Terry and Killiam punched you a little too hard when he stole your skateboard. <laughs> and then it's really convenient because Jason's parents are also abandoning him. What kind of name <laughs> is Terry and Killiam? Well, <laughs> let's find out. Terry It's not even Killiam. You're right, it's Killiam. Yeah, Terry and Killiam. I mean, that's a cool fucking name. Sure it is, but it's nonsense. Anyway, summer school. <laughs> I think we're past that part. Mm -hmm. So, so Jason is left with his sister, Janie. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I'm like a teenage girl, so I'm just going to go leave to fuck my boyfriend. But mm-hmm. it's kind of wild because it's like, Rudy. what did... <laughs> Rudy? His name's Rudy. That's a wild name, Chris. It's like, if you're a teenager and your parents are gone, you're having your boyfriend stay in your house. It makes more sense. Why yeah. are you leaving the house? Well, her little no brother's there. Fucking stick him in his room. What's he going to say? Uh, Mom and Dad, while you were gone, Jeannie wouldn't stop having... Uh, premarital sex with her boyfriend Rudy. That's why. Who listens to rap music and has dreadlocks, I think. But is white. That's why what you do is one night you're hanging out with your younger brother and he just thinks you guys are having a good time. And you're like, hey, we're having a lot of fun here. Why don't you have a beer? And then he's like, well, I'm not supposed to have beer. It's just us two. Have a beer. And then he has a sip and then you go, if you ever tell mom and dad what the fuck you saw while they were gone, I'm telling them you drank beer. Wow, you're really good at manipulating your younger siblings. <laughs> I'm gonna say it, baby. That's how it's done. <laughs> wow. You wouldn't rat that, would you? No, I wouldn't. So, but anyway, so she leaves. So now, 14-year-old Jason is supposed to take care of himself. Mm-hmm. So what he does is goes to L.A. with Kaylee. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, this is a great opportunity for me to get uh, a flight across the country with Kaylee. Kaylee's like, but my grandma. And Frankie Muniz is like, what if we just get Terry and Killiam to watch after you, your grandma? And love it. Because Terry and Killiam needs someone to do all of his summer school homework. This is a weird plot point, too, because uh, Frankie Muniz has clearly never done any homework. So. I know. I was thinking... It's not like he's the nerd that's going to do your homework well. Well, but Amanda, we know Amanda Bynes is smart. Yeah. I was well, thinking, though, that it's such a weird point, like, line of the that the movie straddles, where it's like, well, Frankie Muniz is like kind of a slacker, and he can't get his shit together. But not as much of a slacker as Terry and Killiam. Right. But honestly, as far as slackers go, I would say Frankie Muniz is more of one, because Terran is at least on the football team. He has something he's passionate about and works towards. Yeah, and, like, he's not throwing a fit about going to summer school. Yeah. He's fucking trying, He's just, actually. Like, yeah, he's doing his He's middle. going... He's Not only is he going to summer school, he's to get, going to tutoring after. He is giving up his... I'm getting worked up. Honestly, where is his movie? Yeah, this movie treats him unfairly. Yeah, he stole the skateboard. Whatever. We've all stolen skateboards. But, like, Frankie Muniz is like, what, what would I rather fucking have? Skateboard? Functioning brain? And it's like, you failed school also. (laughs) Like, you're not in summer school because your paper got stolen. You're in summer school because you didn't fucking do your paper. Your teacher gave you extra time to do it. That's the thing is that, like, Frankie Muniz was not dealt a bad hand. Yeah. He he just, like, didn't do his fucking work. Yeah. Like, for no good reason. Why are we rooting for this fucking pup? He was given a second chance, and that's when he got unlucky. Yeah. Yeah, I have, like, no sympathy for Frankie Muniz in this fucking movie, honestly. And it's just, like, a weird, like, character to give to kids. And and also have him say things like, I could have a skateboard or I could have a functioning brain. I don't know, it's like, I've never really seen you use it except for this sick satisfaction yet from lying to people. I think it's like, they're trying to give us sort of an average kid. Right. Like, it sucks when when movies are like, they give you a perfect kid. Mm-hmm. And 
every kid is supposed to identify with that. Mm -hmm. But like, not, you know, all kids have the same, you know, material conditions. Mm -hmm. And they all sort of deal with school in different ways. Mm -hmm. So for them to give us a kid who's struggling with following the rules or struggling with like doing his homework, that's probably like a lot of people probably identify with that. Right. But the way that it's presented is like, there's nothing about Frankie Muniz's life that makes it difficult for him to do the shit he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's just that he's kind of a knucklehead. <laughs> knucklehead. And refuses to do it. Right. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like when I watched this movie too, I connected with his character because I feel like it took me a really long time to get my shit together in school. Like, I was all just, like, papers flapping around in a backpack. No organization. <laughs> just, like, loose fucking unzipped backpack, loose papers. Yeah. I think a lot of kids were like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, and, like, but I was good at, like, writing and stuff and making up stories, and I just, like, couldn't get my shit together. Um, but also, in the movie, he was 14, and I was, like, 8, you know? Yeah, I mean, I th yeah, a lot of people were just, are just like not interested in doing school, and that's fair. That's because, fair. Because listen, school's gonna teach you a lot of bullshit, and bullshit. mostly it's gonna be lies. The uh -oh. only the only truth are gonna be your math classes. No. Your English classes. What? And your science classes. Nope. Everything you learn in history is a lie. Here's the thing, is math is fake, Shakespeare never existed, and the earth is flat. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That's true about Shakespeare. Not quite true about the earth. Doesn't matter if Shakespeare is fake or not. The work attributed to Shakespeare, most pretty good. Yeah. You go read King Lear. That shit's pretty. That shit slams. You read King Lear. That shit slams. Also. It slams? <laughs> that shit slams. So, Turk is at the airport. <laughs> I, 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 for my notes, because I forgot his name until you said it, I write Turk, and that's going to make me sound like a Scrubs fan. For the record. Not a fan. I don't like that show. <laughs> and I don't like anything that Zach Braff has done. I literally, if I met Zach Braff, I would look him in the eyes and say, you know, sir, I don't care for your work. I can't hate Zach Braff. I, I just hate. I wish that he would stop. <laughs> we, we, we all made bad things when we were nineteen or twenty, and we're making a bad thing now. Yeah, we can, and we continue to do it. Um, <laughs> and at least he only made one Garden State. But I do want to say, uh, Nas put out Illmatic when he was twenty years old. And Zach Braff put out Garden State, so... So they go to L.A. Donald Faison is there. He drives a limo. Frankie Muniz told a lie Ooh. about how he is a, a big textile industry guy. He, he's a, the, large, the largest seller of fur coats because Donald Faison is a chauffeur. Mm -hmm. So he has his little sign for his client, Mr. Stroke or whatever. And Frankie Muniz says that's him. And Donald Faison is like... You look a little young to be the b world's largest 
exporter of fur coats or whatever. He does imports and exports. <laughs> He's like, my name is Armandalay. I do imports and exports. And Don Faison says, you look a little young to be doing imports and exports of matches and latex. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> but Frankie Manis is like, we're his children. Yeah, he's like, it's it's a family business. Um, so, so they're in L.A. now. Yeah. The first thing they do is go to Universal Studios. You gotta do it. They jump on the, the Universal Studios studio tour ride right away. We don't know that that's what it is in terms of the movie, but it's what it is. But they're only on it for like a tiny bit. Then they go to Marty Wolf's office. He's the producer that stole the, the story from Frankie Muniz. They fool the secretary mm-hmm. um, by telling her that her Saturn is parked on a dog. Mm-hmm. She loves dogs. She loves dogs and she loves her Saturn. <laughs> I love how it's like, look at how astute these kids are, but that woman's desk is covered in dogs. And her Saturn keys. <laughs> uh, so Frankie marches into Paul Giamatti's office. While Kaylee is just having the most fun at the reception desk. Exactly. And all Frankie Muniz wants at this point in the movie is for Paul Giamatti to call his dad and explain that he actually did do his homework. He's not asking for money or for writing credit. He's asking for nothing. Apparently this is too much for Paul Giamatti. Which I do not understand. Well, I think as Paul Giamatti's like, listen, if I tell another adult what I've done, they're gonna they're gonna be asking for a whole lot more. I think that his dad would be so confused <laughs> yes. that he wouldn't ask any questions. Um, so Paul Giamatti is like, listen, kid, I did steal your work. He takes the paper, the original paper that Frankie Muniz hand wrote, out of a safe. That's the only thing the in only the thing safe. In the, yeah, it's the only thing in there. He takes it out and he's like, okay, here's the paper. And you're hey like, kid. hey, this was pretty easy. Super easy. Hey, kid, do you smoke cigars? And Frankie Muniz is like, I'm actively a 14-year-old <laughs> boy, so no, I actually don't. And then Paul Giamatti's like, well, how about these cigars? And How sets, do you like these cigars? Yeah, and sets the paper on fire. And Frankie Muniz is like, yeah, well, Paul Giamatti, you're really clumsy with that fire. <laughs> I, I love this scene so because it's like actively happening and Frankie Muniz is like, what are you doing? <laughs> so it makes Paul Giamatti have to be like, oops, I'm sorry, let me just put it out. And he's making it more of a mess. And Frankie Muniz is like, no, you're making it more messy, you big oaf. And then it takes him till the end of all of that to be like, hey, I think you wanted to ruin my paper. Yeah, I think Paul Giamatti's kind of an asshole. And here's the really important part, which is where Paul Giamatti's like, it's a doggy dog world. Yeah. And you're like, his last name is Wolf, and Jason's last name is Shepard. That's mm-hmm. like foreshadowing for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Being like, they're one of them's gonna eat the other one, literally. But also, the writers were like, "Listen, we're gonna have this line about how dogs eat dogs. One of them's gotta be Shepherd, the other one's gonna be Wolf. Uh, we can't name one of them Labrador. It doesn't it doesn't work." Um, and that this movie's the first time I ever heard the phrase "dog eat dog world." Really? Mm-hmm. Wow! Congrats. Thank you. 
Must have been the first time I heard it too. I was like, Hollywood, that's a dog eat dog world. Sometimes thing. just dogs are eating dogs. I don't know. I don't condone it. What is this? The Jungle by Upton Sinclair? <laughs> I assume that happened. No, I don't think it does. What is this? This is a rat eat human world. Yeah, kid. One, of, one of the like children has their toes eaten off by a rat. Man. Yeah. Jason steals Marty's Palm Pilot. Remember those? Yes, I do. Those were technology. Mm hmm. And um, now they live in like a prop warehouse. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And we get a montage of it's the a funny costumes. It's a great montage of yeah. Amanda Bynes and Frankie Muniz playing with some toys. With a pop punk band playing in the back. Oh, play, uh, wearing a whole bunch of different costumes. And you're like, dang, this is 2002. Um, Jason has way too much Coca-Cola in a scene where I'm like, why does this scene exist? <laughs> yeah. Like, Amanda Bynes gets so sleepy from the shenanigans and wakes up, and he's just pretending he's to all, be on a business he's call. He's all coked out. Yes. And right, so, Donald Faison agrees to help the kids fuck with Paul Giamatti. Mm -hmm. He has nothing better to do. Well, because he's an actor, and Paul Giamatti fucked him. So, he used to be Paul Giamatti's driver, but Paul Giamatti fired him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he does have a bone to pick. Yeah. So As like, Kendrick Lamar would say. As Kendall Lamar. I got a boned pick. <laughs> yeah. End of quote. <laughs> um, they, they follow Marty around to make sure that his Palm Pilot schedule coincides with his actual day-to-day -day schedule to just clarify that this is something that they can trust and go off it's, of. I, so are they assuming that he does the same thing every day? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, they follow him around this day based on the schedule on his Palm Pilot. Mm-hmm. So he like goes swimming, and then he goes to whatever, whatever, and then he goes to whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. He so basically we get a whole day of Paul Giamatti being a dick to people. Mm -hmm. Very important. Um, and then they assume okay, the next day he's going to be in the pool at the same time. Well, because I would think that he's scheduled that time away daily, yeah. and they can see that. I mean, they have his whole calendar. I yeah. Assume. So they're just making sure. That he does follow what's in it, his calendar. It it's amazing that he doesn't need his Palm Pilot to. I mean, I don't think he needs to be reminded of like his 9 a.m. swim, but that yeah. he like knows. Oh, now I'm going to the stunt thing, and it's like sometimes your calendar is just like. I mean, I don't know if this was like how Outlook works now, where you set your appointments just so that people in your organization are aware that you're right. not available at that time. That that, that could that could be it. It just seems like he kind of had a reliance on his Palm Pilot earlier, mm -hmm. and then he's like never asks about it again. It's weird that he didn't notice it was missing. Then we get a hard cut to uh, Turan, Killam, and Grandma Pearl. To Turan, Killam, and Grandma Pearl. Mm, yeah. Having a great time. Um, so Taran, Killam, Killam, Killam. Killam all. <laughs> Whoa. Is is uh, he's weightlifting with the with the grandma? She's. Yeah. Lifting like her knitting needles. Yeah, there. I, I cannot get enough of how wholesome it is for this grandma to see who she assumes to be her fourteen-year-old granddaughter, just like not fitting into the mold of femininity at all, and just absolutely supporting her. She's not like you're too big. She's just like let's pump you up. Yeah. Oh, you can bench two twenty. Good for you. Now let's get grandma jacked. Yeah, grandma's getting jacked. Let's get grandma vaxed, waxed, and jaxed. 
yeah, definitely Vax waxed and jaxed. And then we cut to, you know it's business time because Amanda Bynes is in the iconic feather trim coral coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. This makes this coat makes the fucking movie. She's got matching coral sunglasses, and then they go and they put dye in Marty's pool. Yeah, so they they put blue oh, dye in his pool. Tied. Oh yeah, we gotta get the blues. We gotta blue ourselves. <laughs> okay. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking ice them. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to ice you. Okay, um, but I did ice you, and I'm sorry. Okay, so... So, Emily, what did we drink? <laughs> Do you remember when we used, to, we used to say what we were drinking? Yeah, and then we've just been drinking Miller Lights for a while, and I was trying to bring back, you know, the fun of us having yeah, a specialty the, drink. The theme drinks were really fun. <laughs> so... But, the, like, I think we sort of learned our lesson with with the, after our first episode yeah you know, with, with the brass horsies yeah where we we were like so we found out that a brass monkey is actually not that bad uh-huh. and then we like mid-episode we walked back to the liquor store <laughs> to get like <laughs> One more. more 40s of malt liquor to make them more brass monkeys uh-huh. and we got Fucked up. <laughs> yeah, two, one brass monkey, not enough. Two brass monkeys, too much. Way too much. So, the, the, and I could have probably done better here, but because Paul Giamatti makes him gets blue, um, I got us. I got us a smear. <laughs> it's a Smirnoff Ice, red, white, and berry. It's limited edition. <laughs> oh shit. So special. It's the color of Baldwin's skin after he gets blue. I cannot stress. If anybody's enough. ever been to Denny's and ordered the Pacific Chiller, this is what the color is, and it's blue raspberry, cherry, and citrus flavored. Oh, I don't pick up any of that. I pick up the flavor blue. I also pick up the flavor blue. It's also uh, just you know for reference. It's also the color if you've ever gone to an Applebee's and had a Ted Cruz themed <laughs> night, which is where you get the sample platter and the most unnatural color drink you can imagine. It's the, the color of the blue drink at Applebee's. It's, I, it's a very 2002 color. It's almost like Pepsi Blue, God. which is coming back. Pepsi, Pepsi Blue's coming back? Yeah. What was Pepsi Blue supposed to be flavored? Berry? Berry flavor, yeah. It struck me as bubblegum flavor. It also struck me as bubblegum flavor. But I like Pepsi Blue. Me too. I would never drink it as an adult. I'm going to try it. I had Pepsi Clear. Haunting. You mean Pepsi Crystal? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pepsi Clear sounds like (laughs) like a new kind of pharmaceutical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's inside an eye drop. (laughs) Okay, should we give this a little sippy? Absolutely. Oh, it's so blue. Uh, uh, it's like a cough medicine finish. Yeah, this is like... Uh. This is like the alcohol you give to children to get them drunk. No, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? I mean, like Chris Hansen is going to kick down the fucking door any second. Because anyone who buys Smirnoff Ice, he just tracks. This is the kind of content or editing. I'm like, I don't know if I cut this. <laughs> you should definitely cut this. So... 
Mm. It's blue flavor. Uh, I love I love the taste of blue. <laughs> and so does Paul Giamatti. So yeah, they put blue dye in Paul Giamatti's um, pool, mm -hmm. and they also replace his shampoo with orange dye. And they put super glue on his ear. Piece. Exactly. So he takes his 9 a.m. swim, and he gets blown blue. He gets blued. Mm -hmm. He blued himself. He blued himself. Um, and then he goes to take a shower. And, you know, this whole time he's not looked at himself. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's, he's just been feeling himself hungry like the wolf's playing. Oh, yeah, he's playing hungry like Because you get it, you know, his name is Wolf. His name is Wolf. Uh, he puts the orange dye in his hair and in, in, in his beard. Or he shampoos his eyebrows like a fucking maniac. Maniac. Um, and he's like, wait a minute, I look like shit. I look like, I, I, I look blue. I'm blue and I'm red now. But the thing is, he has a meeting to go to. Yeah, with the, with president. the president of the company. See, I'm confused by that because what company? Because his production company is called Marty Wolf. Productions. Okay, so, but the studio. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That is, he produces the film, but I don't know how Hollywood works. I'm just, I am talking, as I say, out of my ass. That's how they say it in Tinseltown, baby. But I think like the, the studio that's making the movie the that president means. is this other guy. Duncan something something. So Marty Wolf has a has a uh, meeting with him, but he's blue. Yeah, because they have to increase the budget for the movie, Big Fat Liar. Because they spent all the budget even though they haven't started they shooting. They haven't even started shooting, so it's like, they need They're, to impress this it's guy. It's a disaster. <laughs> but other shenanigans ensue. Earlier, when we were seeing how big of a dick Marty Wolf is is like Lee Majors, the six million dollar man. Yeah, he's like I was just just simply thinking about taking a day off here so I could take my granddaughter to this other child's birthday party. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti's like, "Fuck children and fuck you! If you ever take a day off, I'll shit on your grave." And so Lee Majors is like, "Okay, I guess I'm not going." But uh, Kaylee snags the invite to that b-day party mm -hmm, mm. calls marty's assistant monty do not get confused with that hate that they did that and says that duncan's moved and his new address is insert name of that birthday party exactly so marty goes to the house and he's mistaken for the clown because in fairness Blue skin, red hair. And by the way, uh, Monty is played by Amanda Detmer, who was in some stuff. She's in Saving Silverman. <gasps> yeah, she is. A movie that people have seen. I hate that movie. I think Amanda Detmer deserves more. She did a really good job in this movie. Yeah. I liked her. I truly feel like she's just continuously lost roles to Leslie Mann. Okay, yeah. So, because children are chaotic... Paul Giamatti shows up at this kid's party and gets the shit beat out of him. I don't know why. Kids see a clown, they're gonna punch him. He's not a clown, though. He's just blue. <laughs> also, don't buy your kids assaulting the clown. I don't Is know. that a thing you have to, like... Be prepared for as a clown. I think so. Just kids just destroying you. 
It seems, it's like the parents were like watching back like, yeah, we pretty much just hired this clown to have kids just absolutely beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Monty's like, okay, I'm just going to reschedule the meeting. And you're like, why did you do that sooner, Monty? Apology, Monty. Because yeah, earlier he's like, I can't reschedule this meeting. Or no, Monty's like, you can't reschedule the meeting. Mm-hmm. You need to be there. And then she sends him to the wrong address because mm-hmm. she gets punked. She got punked. And then Paul Giamatti's like, "This is a ch- at, this is a children's party, Monty. We need to reschedule." And she's like, "Deal." <laughs> so uh, Marty get, gets into his car. He's like, "I've had a rough day." Well, Jason, Kaylee, and Donald Faison have fucked with his car. Mm-hmm. Everything's all bad. Ass backwards. It is a bat bass backwards. It's bass backwards, but most importantly, is his radio will just play. Messengers, the listeners, what's words? All yeah. Also, his brake pedal is rigged to his horn. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they knew how to do this. Um, when they show up in the car, Amanda Bynes holds up an owner's manual and like, hey, 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 and you're like, that doesn't tell it's, you how to do that. Owner's manual is not going to be like, if you want to <laughs> ruin this car. <laughs> Have you been driving this car? You're like, well, I wish every time I braked, my horn would blast. Well, it's not going to tell you how to do that. Hey, have you gotten in your car and wish it would play that song about being glue on repeat? <laughs> so he's having a really hard time. And Jason and crew pull up and he's like, this can end at any time. It's all in your hands. Call my papa. And Marty's like, fuck you and fuck your dad. Yeah. And fuck the truth. I'm the big fat liar. I, that's what he says. <laughs> he says, I drink your milkshake. What is that? <laughs> you know, <and laughs> there will be blood. <laughs> I barely remember that movie. Do a No Country for Old Man reference instead. I, uh, in No Country for Old Men, what's his name? It was like, I, I had a dream last night where... Uh, uh, there was an older version of me, and he was like the biggest, fattest. He liar. was the big fat liar, <laughs> and I was like, uh. Javier Bardem was like, no, Lewin, I'm the liar. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is really good. Well, I just don't remember the, the "I drink your milkshake" line. That that's like the famous line. Dude, I remember nothing from that movie. I watched that movie, and I thought. This is a hot take. I gotta revisit it. Don't call me to this. I thought, man, I hate this movie. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not an easy movie to watch. I thought, this movie sucks. There's a lot of horses in this movie. I guess we'll do it for the podcast. It's stupid. I'd rather be watching No Country for Old Men. <laughs> the movie that I, sub- I somehow it's, equate. It's so funny that they're like the same movie. <laughs> but they're, did they come out the same year? Yeah, they're both okay. 2007. Um, and... Like, you sent me an article, it might have been a BuzzFeed article, that, like, they were shot at the same time on, like, adjacent lots. Okay, okay. So, like, there are parts of, like, (laughs) 
it's like there's an explosion and there will be blood that you can see in, in the footage <laughs> of the like country ever, from it back. So it's like just like these uh, subliminal messages that are like connected. <laughs> they are. They're connected somehow. Um, but I, I, it's just that there are two movies that were made in 2007 or released in 2007 that are both considered like two of the greatest films ever made. So we're like 2007 great year for film you had no country for old men and there will be blood and i think people just don't watch there will be blood anymore no country for old men is just so good and there will be blood you're like yeah i get it paul dano is a human and i guess he likes to bowl like, the, the message of that movie is not <laughs> Paul Dano likes to bowl. Yes, it is. You fucking maniac. You're like, congrats on your bowling alley. <laughs> and then he dies and I'm like, that's kind of what you get for having a bowling alley in your home. The fact that you remember the bowling alley, but you don't remember the dialogue that happens in the fucking bowling alley, I, I, which is the famous, I drink your milkshake scene. You. I just remember the bowling alley and I was like, weird flex. On the bowling alley. And then I remember Daniel Day-Lewis putting a child on a train and going, okay, bye. <laughs> that movie's pretty good. You should watch it. I will only, we'll do it for the pod and that's the only other time we'll be watching it. Marty bonks into a like super lifted truck. Monster truck. Yes. Thank you. It's funny because he like, he crashes into the tires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the guy's like, you scuffed my tires. <laughs> like, weird. Weird thing to be concerned about. His car is actually a pancake. Oh, my God. Well, that happens. Not, that doesn't happen immediately. He just, like, does a little bonk. Because mm -hmm. it was like um, he is having trouble controlling his car. Yeah. Stops it. And then the old lady, the movie's words, not mine bonks into him which pushes his car to the tires yeah uh and she's my favorite character and i wish she came back she's again she's great she's just like constantly getting into uh traffic-based confrontations <laughs> with paul giamatti and is like suck my dick blue boy <laughs> yeah basically like she yells at him and it's all like the insult is always based on him being blue it's like him being blue is such a central part of this middle part of the movie. Everybody has something to say about it. I am convinced that the plot of this movie is based off of somebody being like, okay, two children die a grown man blue. How can we base a movie on they that? They did start with this. <laughs> also, I'm tragically almost done with my spirit of ice. <laughs> Me too. How do they go down so smooth when they taste like blue gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> Same season. I'm not drinking that, that's all you. Um, but It's like good, I think. Just the amount of like horrible traffic situations Paul J. Monty got in, I can't believe he didn't literally he, die. Yeah, he almost like actually died. He's driving down Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And he, he's just like Justin for. Wait. 
Yeah. Is that who Thoreau, it is? Thoreau, yeah. Justin Thoreau? I know. One of them needs to change their fucking name. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Giamatti almost gets on a, in a head-on collision and all I want is that movie where he dies and then you <laughs> like cut to a scene with Donald Faison, Amanda Bynes, and Frankie Muniz and it's like I'm trying to do like a 90s like oh like who let the dogs out who who and they're like and we're getting ready for our next prank and then they're just waiting for like seven hours and the ambulance comes and they're like wait what direction is that ambulance going and then they just like buy buy a ticket home they like look at Donald Faison and they're like and you don't say a fucking word <laughs> buy a ticket home and then are silent and then like they're never they can't look at each other they're never friends again these two children murdered Paul Giamatti oh real I know what you did last summer too. <laughs> yeah. and then it just turns into I know what you did last summer where Paul Giamatti's secretly alive and he's just sending them threatening messages yeah Thank you. I'll write that. It's called. It's got Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> it's called Big Fat Dyer. I wonder what Jennifer Love Hewitt's doing. She's just kind of like like being hot. Hmm. Yeah, I saw her in something recently, and I was like, okay. All right. Yeah. She's like, I got that Ghost Whisperer money. Yeah, anyway. I, I prefer the host, the Horse Whisperer. <laughs> Anyway, what happens next in uh, Big Fat Liar? So then, he, so then the tracker's like, I'm going to squish your car, and he does. So then he gets picked up by the tow company, and then the tow guy is like... Why do you even tow it? <laughs> it's like, I mean, I guess you have to get it off the road. Yeah, but you don't tow it. You like put it on a flatbed. It's just like dragging metal across. <laughs> That's true. And he's like, oh, I knew I was going to be picking up a little blue car, but not a little blue man. And then Paul Giamatti's so, like, am I little? So much dialogue on, on the blueness. So it's the movie premiere for Whitaker and Fowl, the mm -hmm. Julia White and Chicken Cop Buddy yeah, yeah. film. And Duncan's there. And Duncan's like, okay, I'm sorry, buddy. You keep fucking blowing off my meetings. You're blue? What the hell's going on? And Paul Giamatti is like, oh, I've got something big for you. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't make it to the meetings because I've been doing so much work on Big Fat Liar. Okay, I'm going to go in the kitchen now. Don't worry about it. And he's he drives Monty in and he's like, I got to think of something for the ending of this film. <laughs> like... Like Nosferatu, mm -hmm. Kaylee and Jason just emerge from the shadows. Well, this is the soiree mm -hmm. that, that they've decided to go to. They call this phase three of their plan. Phase three? I don't know what phase one and two were. I don't, the, we, we are first we're now introduced, introduced we're, to the phases. Yeah, this is the first time we're talking about phases. There will be a phase four. Phase one and two were really And I won't blurry. fault them. They're children. They're not that great at planning not things. Not good at phasing. Yeah. Um, and essentially Jason says, I'll fucking help you. I'm amazing at lying. But <laughs> Paul if I help... like, me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm also good at it. But Jason's like, I'll give you a lie. But then you just have to call my dad. You have to call my dad. Also, Keenan Thompson is at this party. <laughs> yes. Keenan Thompson is just like, hi, this is technically a Nick film, I think. So I'm here. <laughs> It's, it's this film he says this film is all that <laughs> good one nice thank you 
You're welcome. You know what? No. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I drank so much blue. Your drink is so blue. How blue is it? It's so blue that it reminds me of Paul Giamatti and Big Fat Liar. Oh. So Marty's like, he begs Jason to help him provide him with a lie. And he's like, and then of course I'll call your dad. I'll tell him we wrote Big Fat Liar. I'll tell him we wrote Saving Private Ryan. I'll tell him we wrote 9 to 5. I don't remember what the other <laughs> Say 9 to 5. That movie was from the 70s. <laughs> what was the other movie? <laughs> I don't know. Schindler's <laughs> No, not... <laughs> My God. He threw in Saving Private Ryan. I don't know what his limitations uh, are. He said it was something else. Aaron yes, there you go. Aaron Brockovich, thank you. Aaron Brockovich, a wild movie for a child to have written. Yeah, a lot of like legal <laughs> stuff in that movie. Wow, this kid's a really good writer. So Jason comes up with a lie to be like, okay, well, your skin is blue and your hair is red because big fat liar, he's gonna take a potion and it's gonna have him change the colors of his emotions. He can't like lie about his feelings anymore. And the lie works. The people love it. But what you learn in this the moment... The people. The people love it. And what you learn here is that, like, yeah, Marty is the big, fat liar. The biggest. He's the biggest. He's the liarist. He's the fattest of the mm. liars. Because he's, like... <laughs> my favorite part about the scene is, like, okay, I'm going to call your dad. Takes that phone. Boop, bop, 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 bop. Hello. Yeah. Get him. Hangs up the phone, puts it in his pocket, and Jason's like, what's going on? I thought you were going to get on the phone and call my father. And he go Paul J. Marty goes, oh yeah, I was on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I watched, I watched you. We, did, we watched the phone part. <laughs> we watched um, the whole conversation. Mostly concerned about who was on the phone. <laughs> and he's like, and I called my security boys. So they dragged these children out of the party. Yeah. And this is essentially of no consequence because the security take them back to the, like... They're like, so where are you staying? And they're like, in the prop warehouse in Universal <laughs> Studios? And he goes, okay. okay. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> perfect. We'll take you... I work there. We'll take you back there. It's on my way anyway. Take uh, your time packing up your things. I'll... I won't supervise you. Meanwhile, Frankie Muniz and Amanda Vines are like, time to initiate phase four... Oh, and Monty's been like, all right, I've watched this man be sexist. I've watched this man be fatphobic. I've watched this man be racist. I've watched this man deny a grandfather spending time with his grandchildren. But stealing a movie plot from a 14-year-old boy? Well, I think I've had enough. <laughs> and now she's in on it. Yeah. So... Monty shows up. So at this point, it's like Jason's like, whatever, all my dreams are ruined. I guess we'll just fucking crawl in a hole and die. While Kaylee's like, no, we can do it. We're here to fucking do it. Let's rock and roll, baby. And then Monty shows up and is like, let's kick some wolf ass. Mm -hmm. And tells the security guards, she's like, listen, I have to be up all night rewriting this screenplay anyway what if i just took 
a thousand hours out of my night to drop these children off at LAX. Yeah, it's like whoever, somehow, whoever wrote this script, I'm assuming they live in Hollywood, right. have never been to LAX. <laughs> to, to be like, and then I'll simply, I'll simply plop them out. I will simply take a quick stop at LAX. <laughs> the place that's in a convenient area and isn't jam-packed all the time. It's so easy to just simply... 30 minutes. Drop somebody off. 30 minutes. At LAX. Now Jason, Kaylee, and Monty have rounded up all of the working class people that hate Marty. Importantly, Donald Faison is involved. Yeah. Jaleel is involved. Yeah. And Lee Majors is involved. Yeah, this is like a real like uprising of the proletariat. <laughs> I Yeah, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but sure. Um, so Marty has de-blued himself. Finally. And he unblowed himself. He yeah. And he's he's getting ready for the first day of shooting for Big Fat Liar. Mm -hmm. He's got the funding that he needs. Finally. F fucking finally. And so Donald Faison is Marty's driver. Mm -hmm. But he's in on phase four. He he knows about phase four. And so he pretends something's wrong with the car. Jaleel White shows up. He's also part of Phase 4. He's in on it. So, yeah. So, yeah. The limo that Donald Faison drives breaks down. And then, yeah, Jaleel White shows up in his little sports car. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul Giamatti hops in. And then, Paul, uh, before you know it... They're, they're in, in Joshua they're, Tree. <laughs> they're in the, they're, yeah, they're in Joshua Tree. <laughs> And Paul Giamatti's like, I don't think you're taking me to the to the, the set. Listen, it's been three hours. It's been three hours. We're in the desert. I don't think you're taking... Listen, I know LA traffic, but we've been driving 65 this whole time, and we're in the desert, so this is the wrong direction. Yeah, Jaleel White's like, I, don't worry, I know a shortcut. It's like, I don't think you do. Yeah, this is a bad shortcut, Jaleel White. <laughs> Def, absolutely, by definition, not a shortcut. This is a long cut. Yeah. You're driving around the whole country. <laughs> to uh, beat that LA traffic. It's going to take a while. Um, and then, so Paul Giamatti's like, I'm getting out of the car here. So he doesn't even wait for Jaleel White to stop driving. Does a tuck and roll. He does a tuck and roll. He opens the door and he tucks and he rolls. And then he's in the desert. He gets on his cell phone. He calls up Monty and he's like, listen, you got to come pick me up. Monty's like, where are you? He says, I'm on the side of the road. No, he says, I'm in the middle of the <laughs> desert. That does not help me, Paul And she's like, she's like, worried. I got you, Paul Giamatti. I know exactly what that means. <laughs> and then a helicopter comes. It's Lee Majors. It's Lee Majors. Lee Majors is like, listen, Paul Giamatti, I was in Nam, and we're going to get you there. I I've flown 40 missions murdering Vietnamese people. Yeah, and Paul Giamatti's like, congrats? Paul Giamatti's like... I'm a bad person, and even I know that's terrible. Don't <laughs> brag about that. Uh, but Lee Majors is like, listen, we've all murdered a lot of Vietnamese people. Don't judge. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti's like, word, I mean, I get it. I've murdered a lot of Vietnamese people, too. <laughs> and I wasn't even in the war. I wasn't even in the war. I just do... I, it's like, this is Los Angeles. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so... So he gets in the helicopter, mm. and then they go to Universal Studios... Wait, is this where they take the Universal Studios tour? Well, what happens is Lee Majors pretends that 
the helicopter is crashing and they have to parachute out. I don't think from the height of the hell, I'm not a helicopterologist, but I think from the height of that helicopter was and the way it was like spinning and stuff, you could not have like successfully parachuted you out. You just do a tug and roll. You'd have to do a tug and roll. Um, but they parachute out. <laughs> but there's so much of this movie that is just banking on Paul Giamatti not dying. Where they're like, there's only one parachute. You better hold on to Lee Majors pretty tight. What if he didn't? What if he slipped? I and Frankie Venus is just waiting in the western lot like, man, when he comes through, I'm going to really say something. He's going to call my dad. It's the, the, the only thing that Frankie Muniz wants is for Paul Giamatti to <laughs> make a phone call to his dad and say, your son did do his homework. <laughs> yeah. Like... Frankie Muniz is so unhinged at this point. And like, because he's a pathological liar. Pathological He's a pathological, gynecological liar. Has like no like idea of what reality is. So he's like, what if we just threw one parachute in the helicopter and made him jump off and everyone, all the adults are like, that sounds fine. Monty is the real criminal here. <laughs> I agree. What if he had slipped and just fucking died? What would they have done? They would have all gone home. Because <laughs> Frankie Vance would be like, no, I swear, I swear he stole my paper. There's no proof of it now. <laughs> but he doesn't die. They safely land on the ground. And Marty rushes to the studio, and here we go, baby! Yeah. <laughs> Alright, now we're back at the studio. Wait. <laughs> what? I feel like the, what I've built up did not match with how you just started. <laughs> I had to go back to, like, catch up with my notes. I could tell, because I was like, and now we get... We get some horses. Like, <laughs> There's some horses. We get two brown horses. With a carriage. Yeah. Because because Marty, like, stumbled onto a western scene. Exactly. So behind him. Yes, thank you for setting. You're welcome. We get the two brown horses on a carriage. We cut. We do a close cut to Frankie Muniz. Mm-hmm. And then there are two black horses. I call them horses yeah, black. With saddles on behind him. He has stolen... Um, Marty Wolf has a beloved stuffed monkey. Yes. And Frankie Muniz has stolen that. We cut back to Paul G. Marty. Yeah, they're doing and a real classic, like, Western. Yeah, exactly. Dual standoff. It, it's here. like a, yeah, spaghetti Western sort of standoff. What do you scene. call that when it goes? Mm-hmm. So, in this scene, we get six horses total. And so, just never ever be like, but were there horses in that movie? There were six. Because it's at it's at an hour, twelve minutes, fifty-eight seconds is when we see our first two brown horses. And then over the course of about thirty seconds, we see the total of these. Exactly. Or maybe even fifteen seconds, honestly. It's pretty fast. It's quick. And then there's a whole goddamn fucking chase. Exactly. Now we the get studio. the the Universal Studios tour. If you've ever been to Universal Studios, you know what this is. You've seen it. It's the Big Fat Liar Tour. It's like, wait, now. That's what they call it. You wait in line for half an hour, and you go on the Big Fat Liar Tour. 
Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel betrayed when you realize that this movie is just a really long advertisement for Universal <laughs> Studios? No. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's what y'all want from me. And it's just like, get a better atmosphere. Okay, like, okay, yeah, you have Margaritaville within your proximity and you'll always have that, but yeah. I need more. Like a rainforest cafe. Yeah, I do need more from you, Universal Studios. So, and then, like, Marty gets waterboarded by a river. Exactly. And they, him and Jason end up they're doing their big, long chase. They end up on the top of a building. And Marty makes the classic villain speech where he's like, he gets his monkey back and he's like, ha, ha, ha. And then I did steal your fucking story. And lying is sick as fuck. I loved every goddamn second that I stole from you and that I made a lie. I can get high off of that shit. It makes life worth living. And if I could find another fucking 14-year-old boy to steal a story from, I would do it all again. This is my new business practice. This is my platform. I take movies that are creative writing assignments from children. And then I make people invest tens of millions, hundreds of millions even, of dollars into them. And I lie the whole goddamn time. You want to know why? Because it makes me fucking feel something inside. And I don't feel that every day. Look at me. I'm a very lonely man. I have no friends. Mm -hmm. The closest person to me is my assistant, Monty. And I'm always yelling at her. Why do you think I'm always insulting people and pushing them away? It's because I'm scared. He doesn't quite say that. He doesn't quite get to that point, but you know that's where he's headed. Yeah. And Frankie Muniz is like, sorry you pathetic little fuck. Sorry you don't have any other fucking friends aside from your stuffed monkey, who, by the way, told me he hates you. The stuffed monkey said that. (laughs) And the the point of this scene is that uh, Frankie Muniz and Paul Giamatti are on the rooftop, and Paul Giamatti... Paul Giamatti <laughs> loudly admits to stealing the story. But it turns loudly. out that 12 different cameras were filming this. That's so many. Directed by John Cho. Crane shots. Exactly. With a lot of doves. Yeah, this was, he was absolutely supposed to be John Woo, famous director of Face Off. Because John Woo loves, loves birds. My God, does that man love doves? Have you watched Face Off? So it's sometimes you're like, I can't see the actors through the amount of doves that are in this shot. All those doves are dead now. I've made the rest in peace. They're more famous than I'll ever be. <laughs> yeah, lots of doves. So Paul Giamatti has been has been got. Don't forget gotten. the press is there. Yeah, the press is there. The, 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 there are so many cameras, it's astounding that Paul Giamatti didn't notice. It's exactly like Josie and the Pussycats. This is the same reveal of Josie and the Pussycats. And my favorite thing is when somebody's like, EXPOSITION! And then it's been recorded, and it's like, and also, there was a whole crowd here, and everyone just looks at the person who's admitted something and like shakes their head at them. And then they walk away and they go, where are you going? Like the person's like, I need to constantly be surrounded by people. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, Paul Giamatti has been got. 
He got got. He got got. One might say he got punked. So, and then Paul Jamone's like, I'm going to get you, kid. Then Frankie Muniz jumps off the building. <laughs> I forgot about that. You're like, why did he even do, what's Paul Giamatti going to do, murder a child on camera? <laughs> he, he might. Uh, so Paul, Frankie Muniz jumps off the building and now his dad loves him. <laughs> he jumped off the building and is obviously a 38-year-old man jumping off the building <laughs> with a, hel a helmet strapped to his head with Frankie Muniz hair on it. Yes, it really is. But somehow his parents are there. Yeah, I guess he called them. Oh, yeah, because earlier he was like, Dad, I got to tell you the truth. I'm in Los Angeles and I'm a liar. And also I'm a liar. I'm a big fat liar. I'm a big fat liar. So then his parents went to L.A. And then they were like, no, Paul Giamatti's the big fat liar. And we love you, son. Because you don't lie as much as we thought you did. Yeah, and then Frankie Muniz's movie premieres. And he's at the premiere, he's wearing all black, he looks he great. He looks great. Amanda Bynes is there, his dad is there sitting behind him, and he says, It was great, son. It was the best movie I've ever seen. I love you. Thank you for doing your homework. I finally feel proud of you, and now I finally love you. Exactly. What I like about this, though, is that, like, when he was, when he was a little bit more in charge of it, you got a female director and black lead. Mm-hmm. He loves diversity in film. Yeah. And maybe that's why his dad was proud of him. Maybe. Maybe. So. Oh, and then Marty's a birthday clown now. Yeah. And also, we're really sorry. We did not realize that this movie was written by the pedophile guy from iCarly. Oh, yeah. We should probably should have brought that up earlier. I didn't. I didn't know that. It really checks out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it checks out in some of the ways that poor Amanda Bynes is framed in this movie. Yeah, so should we talk about Amanda Bynes? Let's talk about Amanda Bynes. Um, big thing about Amanda Bynes, last I heard she... Okay, I don't want to like... I don't want to judge her. Mm -hmm. right? I think that she's had a rough time. Mm-hmm. But... Last I heard, she got a face tattoo. Yeah. And I really feel bad for Amanda Bynes. I think... And I respect everyone's decision to get a tattoo on their face. Mm -hmm. uh, your body, your rules. But that doesn't bode well for her future in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. So, poor Amanda Bynes. Yeah, I I really love Amanda Bynes. I think it's kind of a tragedy what this industry has done to her. And also just like society and just like the way that we don't support or discuss mental health in any way. Mm -hmm. I guess I would really have to look into like what went, what went on into creating her show. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to be an immensely talented person to, as a child, mm -hmm. create and host your own sketch comedy television show. That yeah, definitely. I genuinely thought was extremely hilarious. Yeah, we all loved it. As a kid. You had the Dancing Lobsters. Oh my god. Oh my god. 
And then, like, that fake soap opera she did. Yeah, like, w- with the dad's, like, he lost his toe yeah, and then he, he replaced it. Yeah, he stand up, right? And his mom, yeah. her mom was just stuck in a hot air balloon. Yeah, so good. Yeah, she is very charismatic. She's really talented. And I think that really shines through in this movie, too. She's clearly a very, very great comedic actor. Yeah. Um, And she steals the scenes that she gets to play. Of course, she kind of, like, you know, because she's, a girl in this movie she gets kind of cast to the side it's just she's the the sidekick but yeah the the scene where she does get to like kind of uh act out a little bit she's like she's checked by right that's true seems like she gets to have a lot of fun in this movie Mm -hmm. and i remember as a kid like i was really familiar with the amanda show and um like, watching this movie, I was like, oh, and that's her, like, doing her thing, you know? Like, she yeah. got to play all these different characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but, I mean, speaking of, like, Frankie Muniz's story is sort of uh, tragic as well. Yeah. Like, Frankie Muniz has come out, like, he has some sort of thing where, like, his long-term memory is affected, mm-hmm. right? So he doesn't even recall his like the success stories of his youth he doesn't remember making Malcolm in the Middle at all yeah it's like uh, Brian Cranston is acting as um, a memory vault for him in terms of making Malcolm in the Middle and that's so sad mm-hmm. because he hasn't I mean I don't know like in his adult life, he was in an episode of Criminal Minds. That's all I can think of. That he's been in as, as been in as an adult. Ooh, he's he's getting into some stuff. That's good. Just looks kind of like bits and pieces, but um, he's definitely he's busy. Oh, he's in a Sharknado movie, Heart of Sharkness. Oh, he's in Sharknado Three. But he's he's made a good life for himself. Yeah, I mean, we all love Frankie Muniz on tw- on Twitter. I love Frankie Muniz on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, I think that the world um, just did wrong to the child actors in this movie. Oh, for sure, and it sucks because they fight like. I, as an adult, enjoy watching them in this movie. I think they do a really fucking good job. They're great. They are great. And um, we just kind of, like, live in a fucking shitty world. Yeah. Uh, So, it feels wrong to do this now, but, like, they don't... What horse was your favorite in this movie? Mm. It's really hard to say. They were sort of all equals in my eyes. Yeah. But the, um, I guess the horses, the two horses by the saloon mm-hmm. stood out to me. I think they were drinking water. Yeah. I love that. I love to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say those two. I can't pick out one. Those two. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, unfortunately, there really weren't any standout horses in this movie. Uh, I, too, like the saloon horses. They stood out as much as they could. Mm-hmm. All, obviously, all the horses kind of really were working in pairs. 
in that situation. Um, and then we're really feeding off of each other's energy. I love teamwork. It's fine. Yeah, so I too am going to go with the saloon horses there. Mm-hmm. It's like, were they drinking water? Were they eating oats? We're not sure. The scenes were cut super close, so we can't possibly say. Yeah, I'm not an expert. <laughs> On what a horse is ingesting. Um, were you happy with the amount of horses in this oh, movie? Oh, yeah, perfect. I agree. Perfect amount. I could see them all in one thing. That was it. That was the scene with the horses. Yeah. The fucking end. We're not, we're not getting into it. Like, the damn mummy. This isn't a horse movie. Yeah. This is a movie with horses in it. Okay? Grow up. Mm-hmm. That's what we talk about. If you don't like it, find a different podcast <laughs> about the movies with hor- about horses. Yeah, it doesn't exist. We're not making it. Mm-hmm. And it's called Cello Horses, and the movie also has to have a yeah, cello. It's called Lemon Cello Horses. Lemon Cello Horses. They and it's run by Italians, so good luck with Good that. fucking luck understanding a goddamn thing they have to say. God, and say hi to your mother for me. And bada bang. Yeah can't stand them. Do you know, measure the amount of horse appearances in this movie via hand. Okay, so I'm still confused about <laughs> what this means. And I'll never get If it, it means how happy I yes. am with the amount of horses, yes. I'm going to give it 17 fucking hands. Woo! We'll give it 13. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't understand. This rating is like jazz, you know? He's got a play night. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Alright, now here we can get into the nitty gritty. You give this movie a yay or an A? Oh, I think I give it a yay. It's got two fantastic child stars mm-hmm. in the prime of their careers. Absolutely. Just fucking vibing on each other. Mm-hmm. You got Paul Giamatti, an unstoppable force. <laughs> Unstoppable. Of creativity. Mm-hmm. You got Sandra Oh, oh just God. being an unstoppable force of femininity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know you were such a feminist. <laughs> you got Frankie Muniz's dad, yeah. unstoppable force of fathering. Mm-hmm. His mom's kind of in there. His mom is there too. <laughs> Uh, you got, you got Monty, just, like, unstoppable force of, like, Monty and being, still being, like, hot, but in your 30s. There's no way she's in her 30s. <laughs> yeah, she's 31. Wow, that's great. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, absolute fucking yay. Uh, this movie, this movie, look at this. It's got a 5.4 on IMDb. Uh, what, the, what is that? <laughs> I don't... I actually don't know what it means. But it seems that this thing's giving it four and a half stars. Like, this movie is literally fucking perfect. It is like a kid's movie that is targeted for children. <laughs> but I have so much fucking fun. I watch this movie often. And I have so much fun with it. It's amazing how great of a job Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes are carrying this film and maybe maybe if you were really like like splicing it Paul Giamatti is really carrying it but this movie is doing a great job with editing of making it seem like the kids are still 
yeah. the number one focus while you have like a lot of adult influences like you know kind of like calming the movie down a bit um something else i really like about this movie too is that there's like it's it's frankie Muniz and amanda Bynes, but they're not trying to make anything romantic out of the two of them yeah i was surprised by that yeah i, I thought that um they would end up there would be a romantic moment. There was a there was a, a scene yeah. where Amanda Bynes is stuck on the the Velcro thing. Yeah. Where I thought it was gonna get kind of like that, and then he pulls her down, and you like they fall on top of each other, but you don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It cuts to the next scene. Yeah, the Velcro scene. You're kind of like okay, and that could have been like little pedo fucking. It's the only scene right? where they talk like face to face, like facing each other. Yeah. Um. But they're just, like, two fucking pals. I guess I wish, like, yeah, that she had more to do. She's very much just the sidekick in the movie who gets, like, some pretty good... But she gets, like, the comedic scenes in this movie. Like, Frankie Mina never really gets to be funny. She gets to play all of these, like, different characters and do all these different voices. Yeah. And I think it's, like, I don't think Frankie Muniz was ever, like, he's always just kind of played Frankie Muniz. Mm-hmm. Like, in Knock Him in the Middle, he's not the comedic one. Yeah. Um, and then it's just, like, I think we got a little hung up on the child stars here. Paul Giamatti knocks this fucking role out uh, of the park. I, yeah, I appreciated him so much. I cannot believe how great of a job he does at this role that is in a child like it's a this is a children's movie that is for children there really aren't that many adult jokes in it he commits but as like an adult watching him i'm not annoyed by him at all yeah he's just pleasant to watch yeah he and and i think that takes a lot of fucking talent he's so goddamn good in this movie wish he didn't say the r slur but here we are with 2002 Perfect film. And, like, so many people got their SAG cards because of this movie. (laughs) There are so many character actors. Yeah. Love it. I cannot recommend this movie. Stop what you're doing. Go watch Big Fat Liar. Watch Big Fat Liar. Drink a... We tried to... Oh, God. Drink the Blue Mad Dog 2020. (laughs) I I don't know where to find it. So just go... Listen, I'm officially icing you. You just got ice. (laughs) We drank the Blue Smirnoff Ice. Go drink it. It's it's fine. It's bad. It tastes like blue gasoline. <laughs> it tastes like blue. You ever tasted blue? That's what it is. Paul Giamatti's tasted the blue. Yeah. So what's next? Do the blue. If that's it, that's the end of the podcast. Is that it? Yeah. Perfect. All right, we did it. That's Big Fat Liar. Never tell a lie. Never. That's. God, did this movie have any like lesson? It's no. It, it's like I thought it was gonna tell. Because Frankie Muniz starts out, we see him telling a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Giamatti teaches him how to lie better. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti tells a lot of lies. Frankie Muniz tells a lot of lies. There's a lot of lying. At the end of it, his dad is like, thank you for doing your homework. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know if the movie's trying to do something with, like, they're so similar. And then, like, he sees, like, Jason sees what a bad person Um, Marty is and then he wants to like stray away from that or but it's kind of like I think really what happens is this movie is different in the way that like the character change happens early on in the film he's a liar 
his dad tells him, I can't fucking trust you. Mm-hmm. And the, the person you have decided to be is actively damaging our relationship. Jason is like, well, I don't want to be that kind of person. So he changes, but because of the reputation he's created, he has to go on this to prove to people that he has changed. But it's just kind of weird because that involves him telling a lot of lies. Yeah. But it's like he's gone from liar to truth teller pretty early on in the film. Okay. Is where I think. Okay. And that's it. That's that's a big fat liar. You can follow us on Twitter at Hello Horses Pop. I don't even know our fucking handle. Just don't even. Just listen. Just drink a Smirnoff ice. Listen to it. Y'all got iced. Y'all just got iced and diced. And hey, get vaxxed and waxed.